Hello, everyone. I'm not nervous at all. <laughs> Is this working? Okay, it's gone. Okay, so um, those of you who don't know me, I'm Rachel um, Austin. Um, I was one of the people who went on the Romania trip, but I wasn't here um, the Sunday everybody shared, so I'm doing it now. Um, so uh, the beginning of the year, I think it was... April, no wait, January, February, March, March, um, the Lord kind of started to speak to me um, to go to Romania. Glenn had brought it up, um, but I didn't think much of it. I was just like, oh, cool, Romania, what's that? I don't know where that is. <laughs> but um, the Lord kind of, there's just one Sunday, just uh, Glenn had brought it up again, and the Lord was just very clear and was like, go. And I was like, you want what? And um, I didn't, honestly, I didn't want to go at all because um, it didn't make sense in my brain because I was currently saving up money, all my money, um, because my friend was getting married in Hawaii and I was in the wedding. So I was saving up for that and I had taken off a whole week of work for that. And I was like, okay, I have no money and I know for a fact my bosses aren't going to let me take off another whole week or two weeks. Um, a few weeks later after I get back from Hawaii. So I was like, I do not want to go. And I was just like, maybe I'm just like telling myself that um, the Lord wants me to go because it sounds cool. But just like through the next few weeks, the Lord was just like very clear in like my devotionals um, about, you know, when he calls, we go um, and stuff. And so um, I let Glenn know and stuff. And I was reading my journal this morning and it was cool like going through like the months or the weeks when the Lord was like telling me, and I was like, are you sure? And then I like, God was just very clear. He was like, yes, go, go, go. Um, and so, um, and I was like, okay, I'll go, but I literally have no money. So, um, but it was so cool to see how the Lord worked in like providing money. Just like, it just like fell in my lap just like weeks before. Um, and uh, one cool thing was like, uh, like the last payment was due and I, there was just a few more like I did not have enough and I was getting like really anxious and angry and I was like Lord you told me to go and I literally have to get this money to Glenn tomorrow and I don't or like this weekend and I do not have this money and um that my devotional that night the Lord was like um when I like I've told you to do something I will provide for you and I had like a whole bunch of, I had peace about it and the next day I went to work and my bosses um had given me money, just the right amount of money I needed, and um, like I was able to share that with my bosses and how like the Lord worked through them, and so that was really cool. So uh, we went to Romania. Um, uh, it was such a phenomenal trip, and uh, like when we first got there, and I think y'all talked about it before, just like we all had, just like, just like a wonderful like connection, and just like it was so evident, everybody around us could see, um, just like we were all really close and. Uh, it was just really amazing, and um, one the, the, I thought that when I went to Romania, I really didn't know why the Lord was sending me, and I thought it was because I was good with kids. I was like, this is a camp, so the Lord wants me to go because I'm so good with kids, um, and uh, those of you don't know me, I work at a daycare, and um, I don't mean this like in a prideful way, but I am really good at my job, and my bosses constantly tell me, like, pat me on the back and tell me how good I am, and the parents are always like, we love you. They just carry me around, and woo, you're so good. <laughs> um, so I'm used to, like, getting praised for good work, and um, people telling me that I'm good, and, um, and so we went to Romania, and it was all good, and then the kids came, and it was really hard because they told us that they didn't speak a lot of English, 
but they spoke no English. There was like a few who could like speak English and stuff. So it was really hard to communicate with them unless if you had a translator with you or one of the other kids who could speak good English. And so like it was kind of awkward. And so um, I started to feel like really insecure. And I was like, I am not good at this at all. And um, like I was comparing myself to like Lizzie and Rachel who I thought were really good. And um, I started to feel like really insecure. And this was like on the Monday the kids had showed up. And I started to get like angry at myself. I was like, why am I so insecure? I'm never insecure. Like I'm freaking great with kids. And um, I was like, why am I not good at this? Like, and I was just like really angry at myself. And I was like, why am I even here? Um, but that night my devotional, the Lord really <laughs> slapped me around. <laughs> um, this is my devotional that night when I was, I was just really beating myself up. And I'll just read it to you. Um, the determination to serve. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. I was like, mm, okay. Um, Jesus also said, yet I am among you as the one who serves. Paul's idea of service was the same as our Lord's. Ourselves, your bond servants of Jesus, for Jesus' sake. We somehow have the idea that a person called to the ministry is called to be different and above other people. But according to Jesus Christ, he is called to be a doormat for others, called to be their spiritual leader, but never their superior. Um, I'm out of breath. Paul said, I know how to be abased. Paul's idea of service was to pour his life out to the last drop for others. And whether he received praise or blame made no difference. As long as there was one human being who did not know Jesus, well, who did not know Jesus. Paul felt the debt of service was to people until he did, until they did come to know him. But the chief motivation behind Paul's service was not to, not the love of others, but love, but for the love of his Lord. If our devotion is to cause humanity, is to the cause of humanity, we will be quickly defeated and brokenhearted, since we will often be confronted with a great deal of um, ingratitude from other people. But if we are motivated by our love of God, no amount of ingratitude will be able to hinder us from serving one another. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, so when I read that, I was like immediately just like overwhelmed with like so much joy, like in my weakness and also felt stupid. I was like, of course I came here thinking that this was like about me. And, um, I thought I would thrive um, because I came in with my own agenda and had my own plan. And the Lord was quickly to sweep the rug from under me and was like, no, this is about me and my glory. And um, I just had so much joy because, and that gave me so much peace too because I cannot do that on my own. And um, I don't want the glory because uh, it was just, it's very difficult. And um, I was just like, and for the rest of the week after like I had that mindset, the whole week was just completely different. Um, it was still difficult, like, talking to the kids and stuff, but just knowing that that wasn't about me and it was about glorifying the Lord, um, it just brought me, brought me so much more joy. And I had a lot more wonderful moments with, like, some of the other teams, team members from Chicago, and I was able to share with them, like, through my weakness, how, like, abiding in Christ, like, how the Lord is, like, able to work and stuff. Um, and um, there was... I can talk about this all day. Um, and uh, when we did, we had our Bible study 
um, there was Lizzie, I think one day was like talking and we had, we had like the abiding cycle up on there uh, on the wall. And, uh, we just told like the Bible stories and how these leaders, how they came to know Christ better through abiding. And after one of the, uh, lessons one of the leaders from Chicago she just came up to us and she was crying and she was just like that's so simple like no one's ever made like following Christ or abiding him like so simple and y'all have done it like so clearly and she said that years before she did not she when she came she had come on this trip to Romania several times and she told them specifically she did not want to do Bible story because they had made it so difficult like packets and like workbooks and like all this hard stuff and was making the gospel like very difficult and it was overwhelming and she was just like you know, y'all made it so simple, and um, so that was just really cool to see how, like, abiding in Christ, um, he was able to just, like, work and shine, and, like, the other team were able to see that, um, and yeah, that was, that was Romania, that's all I got for y'all. <laughs> that's awesome, thank you, Rachel. Farthest, open up to that page you were just at. Yeah. So, I, y'all, I am so excited. For that. I'm going to borrow this for just a second because I don't know if you've picked up on it yet or not, but we've got a theme happening today. And it's not because I did a lot of planning. It's because the Holy Spirit is working. So, Glenn, this morning, what was the passage that you shared out of Psalms? Psalm 103, and it was about, about serving, right? About, and, and about how we are glorifying God. And, and then Rachel comes this morning and, and shares this where God is speaking to her as she's in Romania about, about what it means to serve and represent him well. Look, y'all, this is, this is awesome. Because if you don't know, today we're going to affirm some deacons and deaconesses. And I'm super, super excited about that. God's got a word for us today. And, and so here's how we're going to do this. We're gonna, I'm going to try to be as brief as I can. We're going to look at uh, the third commandment today. We're going to look at what it means to not take the Lord's name in vain. Uh, and I titled this today, The Character of God. As we've kind of been moving through these commandments, this has been, for me, such, um, such an incredible experience because I'm learning more about the character of who God is as I study these commands He's given us. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this today, but the Ten Commandments are broken down really into two sections. The first four commandments deal directly with how we relate to God. And the last six deal with how we relate to one another. And so today we're in that third commandment. But, but here's what I want to do before we start. I need you guys to do two things for me. First of all, I need you to stay plugged in the whole time. Okay? Because, like I've said before, if you zone in and out, here's what will happen. Is you're going to hear part of a truth and you're going to latch on to that. And you're not going to have a full understanding of God. And then number two, the second thing I need you to do is as we look at these commands today, we need to see them through the filter of grace. Because in our Christian culture, we've talked about this many times before, but I want to say it over and over again because it's so important. As we talk about these commands that come from the Lord, they are not a to-do list. They're not a checklist. They are to shape the way we understand the relationship that God has for us. Okay? And, and our goal in this study is to look at these commands and then say, Okay, Lord, you've given us this shape for us to, to understand. How do we apply that? How do we get that into our lives on a daily basis? Okay? There's, there's enough, enough people in this world that are focused on just changing behavior. If you want to find a church in central Louisiana that wants to help you do behavioral modification, there's plenty of them, okay? But I don't care about your behavior. I don't care about that. What I want is I want the Lord to grip your heart 
and, and like Rachel was talking about, that it changes who we are and we serve and we live differently because of the love that we've experienced in our relationship with Christ. We talk about being motivated by grace, and that's what we mean by that, is that as we are walking daily with the Lord, we're experiencing the incredible love and, and joy and all the stuff that comes along with that, and because of what we're feeling, it changes the way we live. Okay? So, today we're going to look into this. The last two weeks we've talked about the first commandment, which is have no other gods before me. And then the second commandment is do not make an image of God. Those are wills, you know, if you're going to break it down in a little quick thing. Okay, today we're going to look at the third commandment, and that comes out of Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. Okay, so I'm going to read this. I'm going to break this down into two points. All right, I'm going to try to be as quick as I can, but I also want to make sure we take plenty of time to, to unpack this and understand what it means for us. Because... For me, as I studied it this week, the Lord opened up some things in my understanding of what this commandment means that I didn't know before, and I grew up in church, okay? And because of what I, I know that I grew up in in this area in Christian culture, I know there are a lot of other people who don't understand it as well. So plug in with me. We're going to go quickly, and then we're going we're gonna to move into our deacon and deaconess affirmation, and Glenn's going to take over on that part, okay? Everybody ready? All right, Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. Let's go. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Okay, so point number one for today. If I was going to break this down, this, this verse really is, for me, is in two, two pieces, okay? If I was going to break the first one down, this is the way I would say it. Do not make the name of God worthless, okay? And I want to unpack that a little bit. The common understanding of this verse for most of us, for me especially, in the way that I grew up, in the faith tradition that I grew up in, whenever I heard this verse, this is what it said in Will's brain. And this is what was communicated to me a lot was, don't curse in God's name. As in, don't say bad words along also with God's name. Right? Okay? So that's what it understood for me. Okay? And I don't do this a lot because this is not my forte, but I think it's important today. We're going to look at this Hebrew word, that, that means vain, okay? And the, the word is shav. Russ is not here today, so he doesn't get to critique me, okay? I know he's not going to listen to the podcast. So bear with me, all right? Because I know, as my boy, though, he called me yesterday. Just tell me he missed me. It was awesome. All right. So look, in Scripture, these are the different definitions that, that this word shav can mean. It can mean vain. It can mean false. It can mean empty or emptiness. It can mean falsehood, lies, worthless, nothing, destruction, and vanity. So as we look at those words, is it opening up a little bit? Are you getting a bigger picture of what it says? When it says don't take the name of the Lord in vain, it's not just talking about how we speak. We're getting a better sense of what, what God is saying. If you were like me, and, and you only thought that this word referenced the words that we choose to speak in God's name, doesn't that now seem like a really incomplete understanding? of what God's trying to say. I mean, I think about these Ten Commandments, and I think about the gravity of them, and, and there's this one in the middle that's just like, don't say curse words. Like, that seems kind of shallow to me on the surface. But as we dig into this, we see that it's something different. And, and it's, under, it's important to understand, when, when I say curse, I'm thinking of curse words, right? But a biblical sense of cursing would be to, to, to put a curse on someone, right? To speak negatively because of something they've done to you and, and we need to understand that in biblical times in the Near East, it was normal and, and it was um, allowed to use God's name in both blessing and cursing others because what that did was it gave your words weight, 
right? Your God was the most important thing in your life. And so if you bless or curse someone in their name, you are bringing validity to what you're saying, okay? But, okay, look at what, what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 34 through, 50, through 35. So, so they are living under the law, right? This is where I want us to see grace. We now live on the other side of the cross. But look, so look what Jesus says as he looks at this. He says, but I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And then James in chapter 5, verse 12 says, But above all, my brothers, do not swear, even by heaven, or by earth, or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes, and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Look, if you take these two verses and you, and you, and you dig in and say, well, what are they trying to communicate here? It's that they're saying that if, if you just do what you say you're going to do, you don't need to bring more weight to that. The integrity of your life, of you saying, yes, I'm going to do that, and then you just handling it is all that's necessary. God's saying, don't pull me into that. You don't need me for that portion. If you'll just do what you say you're going to do, there's no need to bring anything else to that. Okay? But listen, we, we often fail to understand that taking the Lord's name in vain is, is so much bigger than just the words that we say. The grander image that God is communicating here is that as we look at the use of this word, it's that we should not cause defamation to the name of God by the way that we live. Keep your grace lenses on because I don't want this to be a checklist, but hear me. The way that we live is important. We've talked about that several times already as we've gone through the book of Exodus. And the fact that how we live makes a difference needs to become our new standard. That needs to have importance in our life. The cultural norm was primarily why the Christian world views the church the way it is. The cultural norm is, is that you can be a Christian on Sundays and then be whatever else you want to be Monday through Saturday. That's our cultural norm. And it's because of that that when someone, when you try to have a conversation with God and they're like, I'm not interested, what they're saying is they're not, it's not that they're not interested in God. They're not interested in the portrayal of, the, of God that the church has given him. They're not interested in our perception. They're not interested in, in what we've made God to be in their lives because we have lived inconsistently. inconsistently. We have lived in vanity. And we've broken this commandment. Because we have taken something that is great and we've made it worthless in other people's eyes. I don't know about you, but for me this week as I studied this verse, it was like a gut punch. Like, I, I didn't see this coming. Because I, I, I shared with you what my little perception of this verse was. And as I'm studying this out, it's like, oh my gosh, this is, this is bigger than I thought it was. Just, just out of curiosity, raise the hands. Um, just, just raise your hands up for me real quick. If your understanding of this verse prior to today was just that it was about not cursing. Okay? I know I'm not alone in that. Okay? This was huge for me. But check this out. Okay? Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 22. You guys have heard this story a lot. But I'll, the Lord opened this up for me this week as I was studying this out. God brought this story to me. And I want to just break it down just a little bit. Mark 10, verses 17 through 22. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. I never noticed before that these commandments that Jesus calls out to him are the last six that deal with our relationship to one another. The first four are wrapped up in the last part that he, that he says to him. You see, as, as cultural Christians, we're real good at, at doing this right here. We're real good at faking it a lot of times, of just putting on a pretty face so that everybody thinks that everything's okay. And this is what's going on with the rich young ruler. He's really good at relating to other people and having good relationships with other people. But, and Jesus knows that. He's aware of it. He says, but you lack one thing. Come and follow me. This is the same invitation that Jesus gives to the disciples. And what he's saying through that invitation is, you have done well in these areas. That's great. Now, take all of those things that you think are valuable in your life, set them aside, and come walk with me and let me show you about who I am. And he denies it. His vanity is worth more than that to him than Jesus is. But listen, we like the rich young ruler have spent all of our time and our efforts focused on us. We, we go through our daily ins and outs thinking about what are people's perceptions of me, am I living well in front of other people, and that stuff can be good. But God is saying through this commandment, those things are good, but you're missing the main point. If we're living in such a way that it is defaming the Word of God because of the inconsistency in our lives, then we're breaking this commandment. But, but here's the thing. God is going to redeem His name. This is point number two. Even though we live inconsistently, inconsistently and God's not okay with that, He's going to redeem it. The second half of that verse, if we look at, at, at the verse 7 again, it says, For the Lord will not hold him guiltless, who takes his name in vain. I don't like the way that's translated because it's a double negative and those can be confusing when you just read them. But what he's saying in the second half of that commandment is God is not going to allow that to just go by the wayside. God is not okay with us defaming his name. And he's going to defame, I mean, he's going to redeem his name. If we defame it, he is going to take care of it. Look, we, we can look around right now and we can see tons of ways that the church in particular, that there are people in church leadership, people in church membership that have not lived well. And those things come to light, right? Because we try to live in darkness and we try to keep things in the shadows. But eventually God's going to get enough of that and he's going to bring that into light. And we have to deal with the circumstances. God is serious about his glory. He's serious about his name. I love the story from John chapter 2, verse 14 through 17. It says, in the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them out, all out of the temple, with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. And the disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Listen, just a little side note. This is example number two, exhibit number two, if you will, that God or Jesus had a little cowboy in him. Okay? Just 
He made a whip and he drove people out. We talked about at Easter, he broke a colt. I'm just saying. There's some cowboy in there. Okay? Listen, Jesus is angry. He's angry enough that he's flipping tables over. Okay? I don't know that I've ever been angry enough to flip a table over. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. But he's upset because people, people are taking the very thing that God was trying to use to restore the relationship and they made it profit for themselves. They made it about them. And Jesus was angry. Before we leave this today, I want to remind you of how Jesus responds to our sin. The rich young ruler wasn't sent away by Jesus. He chose to leave. But in that story, it says that Jesus looked at him and he what? He loved him. These commandments, these ten commandments are not a checklist. We are completely incapable of living up to this standard that God has set. But Jesus, because of the work he's done on the cross, because of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us as believers, gives us the power. He is the power in us for, to allow us and to will us to work in those ways. Jesus reveals the sin using the law in this man's life. But he loves him. And he gives him an opportunity to come and follow him. Okay? You can't follow Jesus. You can't... I got the meme in my head. I don't remember the, the character's name, but one simply cannot. Y'all know the meme I'm thinking of? You can't walk with Jesus and not be changed. It's not possible. It's not possible to not understand who God is as you are walking with Him. Listen, this is my last, last thing I want to say today, and then I'm going to turn it over to Glenn. Motivated by grace, our lives are going to show the world the truth about who God is. That's it. This commandment is important because God is saying, don't claim my name and then make me out to be something that I'm not. And this church and all churches, all people are guilty of that. It is so important that we are spending time in the Word on a daily basis so that as God sends us out in our workplaces, in our communities, in our schools, that the Spirit is in us and we are representing Him well, not just by the way we speak, but also by the way we live life. I'm so excited about today because of the music this morning, the, the, the prayer from, from Kobe, the words from Glenn, the testimony from Rachel, all is pointing us to the same thing. Look, I, I'll be honest, I was a little stressed about today because we're doing the, the deacon affirmation. That's exciting. A lot of you guys know I was gone to Houston all weekend, Friday and Saturday, so I didn't get the time that I normally get. And as I was praying through this last night, and I'm trying to rush and get everything written down, God was just like, Will, chill, I got this. And it's so evident that He does. But here's what God is pointing us to today. Okay? It's the responsibility of all of us to live up to these standards through the power of the Holy Spirit. All of us have a call in our life to be like Jesus and to be in service. But today I'm really excited because God has been speaking that now is the time for us to affirm some deacon and deaconesses in our church. And Glenn's going to come up in a minute and he's going to break down. We've talked through that already, but we've got some new faces in here today. And so we want to, we want to put some parameters and, and help everyone to understand what we mean by that because in a traditional Southern Baptist church, what they call a deacon and the role that we see biblically a deacon and deaconess to serve is going to be a little bit different. Okay? But here's the thing. God is setting all of this up. He's hitting a home run today because He has given us a whole morning of 
of ways to look at and understand that we are all called to serve. Okay, And there's some men and women who we've been praying for for the last three weeks. And I'm so excited to be able to see them bloom and flourish in the call that God has put on their lives. So, Glenn, go ahead and come up. We're going we're gonna to affirm our deacon and deaconesses today. Glenn's going to share a few words, uh, and then we're going to have some time of prayer. Uh, man, it's a great, well, thank you for that. And this is a super lead-in for, uh, you know, where, where we are today and what the Lord's doing to put this, put this service together for us. So, uh, l- just looking at that phrase again in summary of what, uh, of what Will has said about uh, how that, how, what it means really to, to honor the Lord rather than taking the Lord's name in vain. I think this is a great, great illustration of that. When you start talking about by the grace, first of all, it's motivated by grace, which one of our distinctives at the gathering place is that we believe that if we're going to be biblical in what we do, all of our, that we should be motivated by the grace and the character of God. Not because some preacher talked us into doing something or because somebody was very persuasive in their speech or you know, whatever, some other reason which most of us have lived our lives by, some list of standards our principles, or doctrines, whatever. But we do it because something has happened in our hearts. Our, our heart of flesh, our heart of stone has been taken out according to Scripture. We've been given a heart of flesh. God's placed His Spirit in us. We are walking with God and in our, in our discourse with God. Our intercourse really is the word that the Scripture uses. As we are walking in intimacy with God, that what happens is our hearts are changed, as Will was talking about. And it's that grace that motivates us to do what we do. So, you know, this, what we're talking about today, we've, 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 we basically have gone through these same characteristics. We spent a number of sermons a few years ago uh, prior to Will's uh, ordination and Ben. And, um, you know, when, when we brought them in as, as elders, we went through this. And it's the same qualifications that are listed in First Timothy chapter 3. So we're going to read those here in just a minute. But I want you to know that... The reason why they're repetitive is because this is what God expects from all of us. This is what God does. It's not what he expects. Let me change that category. All right? It's not what he expects. He knows. Expectation means that God doesn't know what's already going to happen. This is what happens to someone who walks in intimacy with God. All of a sudden what happens in our lives is we begin to show the world the truth about who God is. In our daily lives, we start revealing the truth about who God is. I'm a whole lot better person now than I was when I was religious. Man, I, I, I'm actually kind of fun to be around now. You know, back then I was miserable, dead on the inside. You know, there was no life flowing out of me to anybody, just judgment. And people, you know, some people like that. It's weird. You know, they, they, they like their feet to be stomped on every day and tell them how bad they are. But the truth is, at the gathering place, we... You know, we have come to the reality in our doctrines, and not all of us understand this, but in our doctrines and in our practices, we are really focusing on knowing God. It's our number one mission statement, right? Leading people to know God by experience, through obedience. That's what we do here. And so as you begin to know God, all of a sudden your life starts looking differently. You start becoming attractive to people because God is attractive. He's awesome. He's incredible. So when we start thinking about that, there's definitely going to be examples of people in our church who are walking with God in this way, who are, ex- who are ex- good expressions of this. Hopefully our elders are that. 
You know, we, we intend to be. It's what, it's what our goal is, is to walk with God in such a way that our lives reflect the beauty of who God is. But definitely, our deacons, there's, 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 there's no way. It's in a different role, but it's just as significant in the kingdom of God that this role be, be, uh, uh, be lived out as an example of what, what it looks like when Christ is getting control of a person's life, when, Christ is, when a person is sold out to Christ, that their life begins to be lived out and starts looking like Christ, particularly in the way of service. As Will's already shared with us in Scripture, that it, Christ didn't come to be served, but to serve. And so one of the best manifestations of the character of God and one of the best evidences that the Holy Spirit is actually moving and working in a person's life is that they serve. They serve people. And so we, uh, we asked a few weeks ago, you know, we've been praying about this for, since we started the gathering place, really over 10 years ago. We put in our Constitution and bylaws that we would have deacons. We just have never gotten there. And so I am so excited today that we're finally going to be able to uh, share with you, uh, our, together we're going to be able to affirm some uh, men and women who have felt uh, an aspiration toward the position of deacon and deaconess, uh, which, by the way, is the same word. Uh, just a little feminine ending on the one with Phoebe in the book of Romans. But that, that, ser- that people that will serve us well and be examples of service in our church. That, that there were uh, people that actually aspired to that position. And so we've, we've uh, given you their names. We've been praying now for three weeks regarding that. The elders have affirmed these people. And so we're going to present them to, to you today. In just a minute, we will uh, stand in affirmation of them. Uh, to are in opposition. If you feel like we've missed that, uh, you you have the opportunity to stand in opposition to that. But we're, we're and then we're going to going to uh, have a time of prayer over these elders. Uh, the, the I mean over these deacons. The elders will come, and anybody that's ordained is feel free to come and to pray over them individually. While Kobe plays a little music in the background for just a short prayer for each one of them, and then we'll gather around them together as a church to affirm uh, their call to the ministry. So before we do this, I want to, you're going to notice something. I said men and women, and we, you know, we are, we are not uh, heretics at the gathering place. We are very biblical. And there are certainly deaconesses in Baptist churches, and always have been. Uh, it's not as common in the South as it is in other churches. Uh, but I have put together some things today that I, I'm going to make available to you. If you've been having some issues, by the way, thank you that, that's, that you've asked that question. Uh, all of the elders just about have had someone ask us the question regarding women deacons. Uh, and we want you to know that, that we're not stepping outside of the biblical precedence when we are saying that we're going to have women in that role. So we want to define for that, that for you one more time and help you to know that. And then I've also put together just three very conservative uh, commentaries, just a quick statement about verse 11 of chapter Three of First uh, Timothy, where it mentions women, and we believe it mentions them in the role of deacons. And by the way, one of those, uh, the reason why I put it there is is actually from uh, Broadman Press, Nashville, Tennessee, which is the Southern Baptist uh, publishing house, book publishing house. So that those of you who are Southern Baptists, grew up Southern Baptists, who have, most of the, you are the ones that have asked the question. Broadman defines this commentary defines. Uh, women in this in First Timothy three as deacons. So there's no question. The, the words are very clear in Scripture. 
we, uh, we do a little bit more at the gathering place regarding eldership, our pastors. You know, a lot of churches, Baptist churches, have one pastor. Well, the, the, we believe the scripture shows a plurality of elders that are involved. Uh, so a pastor is an elder. But rather than an elder or a pastor making a decision on his own, he is different than a deacon because he's an overseer. He is, it, the role is different. It's defined. The word is different in scripture. And uh, actually, here's two sections in chapter 3 of 1 Timothy. That one section describes elders, another describes deacons. Why? Because they're different. They're different words. Uh, right? We understand that. So we're trying to be as biblical as we can. We're following also the Holy Spirit's leadership, in, as everybody does, in trying to understand what Scripture says. So I wanted to share that with you and also make this available to you. So let me read uh, the Scripture out of 1 Timothy chapter 3. And I'm going to read it in the New American Standard Bible, which is the Bible that I received when I graduated with my Ph.D. from seminary. It was a gift from a Baptist seminary. So again, we're not moving outside of what is Baptist norm. Uh, I'm, I'm making a big deal out of it, okay? But I want you guys to know, okay? Because you're asking the question, let's make a big deal out of it and get it over with. All right, this is, this is good. It's conservative. It's Baptist. It is part of our heritage. So here's what it says in verse 8 of, uh, well, I'm going to have to read it up there because I didn't bring my NASB. All right, deacons likewise must be men of dignity. Now it says men because we are talking about men at this point in the passage. Men of dignity, not double-tongued or addicted to much wine or fond of sordid gain. All these things were also things that were mentioned about elders. Uh, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, these men must also first be tested and then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach, which we have talked about that, okay? Now, he also says, women must likewise, are also women, women as another category of deacons, by the way. The word is women. It's not, uh, it can be translated as wives. And, okay, if you want to translate it as their wives, you can. Because, guess what? If you're a wife, you're a woman, you're a man, you're a whatever, all of these characteristics are something you should be living by. But in the role of deacon, there are women. Okay, so he says, we, we believe, and I have commentary to show you, to let you read for yourself, that women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in, in uh, all things. All right, so those things are the things that he just mentioned above about men who are deacons. So he's just repeating what he's saying, but he wants us to know that women also who serve in this role of deacons uh, have these same qualifications. And then verse 12, deacons must be husbands of only one wife, good managers of their children and their own households. Well, it was dealing more with polygamy, and women didn't have multiple husbands in those days. They were, they were dealing with men who tended to have multiple wives, and it was okay within the culture. So that was mentioned again for, for men. All right, and then we've also talked about this a number of times. Will has mentioned this, but in chapter 16 of uh, Romans, verses 1 and 2, we find Paul commending Phoebe, who, again, if we do this, uh, this uh, in, in, the version, in the NLC version, New Living Translation, it mentions this role as, as a deacon. But I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a deacon in the church at Sincrea. Welcome her in, in the Lord as one who is worthy of honor among God's people. Help her in whatever she needs, for she has helped, been helpful to many and especially to me. She's been serving in the role of the deacon. Phoebe has. Okay, now, 
So we've made this available to who God's made it available to. All of our members have an opportunity to serve in the role of deacon. And so uh, we have had more women, uh, three women that have committed to uh, or feel an aspiration toward this role. And we have, are here to affirm them in two men. Uh, so let me get, get them here. Is Craig here? He didn't make it? Okay. Well, we'll have to. We'll have to. Is Craig Austin in the back? Okay, would somebody go get him? Yeah, yeah, we need Craig. All right, and then let's, uh, if, if y'all don't mind, we'd, uh, Kobe, you can come and, and lead us. And if you have any further questions about it, please meet with the elders. We are more than help, happy to do that. Again, thank you for doing that this past week, uh, past three weeks. Uh, there's a, a deacon that's been serving. Deacon to be. Yeah. So if y'all don't mind, those of you that are uh, coming today as candidates for deacon, if you don't mind, come and grab a chair. <clears throat> also very thankful to have uh, a hu- two husband and wife teams, which is phenomenal uh, in our church. And these people have been serving us well. Uh, when we look at their lives, when we evaluate their lives, they serve so well. All, all five of these have been servants. Six of these. Yeah, my, my counting's off. All six of these have been servants of the church, and you know that. So let's do this first of all. It's a matter of uh, uh, not just formality, but definitely formality. Uh, if you would, after prayer and asking whatever questions you wanted to ask of these six, uh, knowing that they were going to be uh, affirmed as elders today, if you would agree with the elders that these are uh, qualified candidates and that you affirm their call uh, to be a deacon in our church, then would you stand up, members of our church? Okay. If you uh, think you can be seated, if anybody would like to stand in opposition to that, feel free. You sat down kind of slow, Aaron, almost. Carly? Is that you or Jack? All right. Thank you all for affirming that. Man, it's always beautiful when, we, when the body moves together. And once again, you know, just a unanimous decision as a body of Christ who's pursuing God. So if you don't mind for just a minute, would you bow your heads? And I'm going to invite our elders to come and just say a word in the ears of each one of these. Anybody, that, anybody else that is, that is ordained that would like to, uh, if you know these people, would like to come and share a word with them. And we want to in a time of uh, prayer. But the rest of you, with your heads bowed, if you would mind, wouldn't mind, just praying for God to just show himself in the lives of our deacons. All right. So we've, we've prayed over each of these individually now. I want to offer a prayer for us as a church. Thanking God for these six and their call here. Father, I thank you again just uh, for the blessing that... Uh, that these have been to our church and will continue to be beautiful examples of service, God, for you. Not perfect, but God striving and standing out as servants in this body. Lord, I thank you that, that they each took this seriously enough to consider the call, to ask the questions. I thank you that our church took it seriously enough to seek the scriptures and ask for uh, advice of, from elders and words to understand this. And so, Father, we, we don't take this time lightly. 
God, we take it uh, very seriously because you do. And we are thankful. God, we, we worship you more today because of what you've done in the lives of these six. Father, thank you for their service to this body. I pray again in front of this congregation that you would build them up and encourage them in the gift that you've given them to serve, that you would give them wisdom on exactly how to serve this body and where to use their time and energy, that you would make them shining lights and examples of of the servanthood of Christ as they serve. And Father, that as the enemy lies to them every day, multiple times throughout the day to tell them they're not good servants, they're not good people, they're failures, they're sinners, that they would embrace that. Embrace that, not fight it. And find their sufficiency in you. Let you be all to them. You serve through them. Father, don't let them be slowed down one one ounce uh, by the things that we all struggle with, God. The sin in our lives, the struggles that we have the insufficiencies that we feel. Help them to feel your spirit wooing them on, God, cheering them on toward that prize. Thank you, God, for this body and these, these people. In Jesus' name, amen.